Hey guys, we've recently partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. If you're tired of having your hunting and outdoor posts taken down and flagged, be sure to check out Go Wild, which was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, but they are also encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn more points, you unlock awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, knives, and huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Use code HTW to receive 10% off your order today. Download Go Wild at GoWild.com or in the App Store. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt the Wild podcast. I'm your host, Adam Bolds. Today I'm joined with Garrett Crowder of 5% TV. Um, how are you doing, Garrett? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Everybody listening, don't mind my voice. I'm going to try not to do too much talking in this podcast. <clears throat> I seem to be losing my voice and can't seem to recover from it, but uh, we're going to keep putting out info and keep... Uh, getting stuff out to you guys so we're gonna go ahead and dive into it so garrett can you introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about you yeah so um my name's garrett crowder i'm from north carolina um specifically the piedmont region up, up around raleigh um this is my first or this was my first deer season of bow hunting um i do all kinds of hunting <clears throat> the only one i haven't really got into yet is uh duck hunting and goose, and goose hunting but i do a, just about everything else rabbit squirrel dove turkey and i don't do bear I haven't done bear yet no bear how far uh just for anybody that doesn't know like where that town's at and everything how far from like the coast are you um so i would say from here to the coast it would be probably a good two and a half three hours um okay so not terribly far but so it's more uh is it more mountainy kind of where you're at like hilly and mountainy or um it's pretty flat out here i mean we do have um elevation changes and stuff but it's not like the mountains um i'm actually about a little bit closer to the foothills of the, of the appalachians than i am to the coast um i don't know if you've ever heard of yawari but yawari is about two hours west of here so with this uh, with this voice thing going on with me and my my throat, and you living in North Carolina, you probably get some moonshine or something to get that straightened out. Oh God, yeah, I know that old <laughs> moonshiner. He was a bootlegger back in the day. <laughs> All right, maybe we shouldn't talk about that on here. I don't know. <laughs> um, so tell everybody kind of how you got started hunting and uh, in the outdoors and all that. So I started just kind of dabbling in it whenever I was probably eight or nine years old. My grandpa was, a, uh, you know, hunting wasn't a big thing for my dad and grandpa, but they kind of started easing me into like things like dove hunting. Um, he knew some farmers that were having like issues with groundhogs. And so 
you know, eight or nine years old, I was walking around out there in the fields with a 22 mag, trying to shoot groundhogs and, you know, then in September or whatever. Yeah, September is dove season. So I'd be out there shooting doves with a 20 gauge, a little single shot 20 gauge. Because I remember how bad he kicked me. And then um, whenever I got about 10 or 11 years old, um, I started going out with my buddy Daniel. And we would do um, squirrel hunting pretty much as soon as deer season let out. Um, I wasn't old enough to really have a gun with me yet because he was, I was 11, he was like 13. So he had a little bit more freedom. Um, but we'd go out in the woods like every day after school, just squirrel hunting. And then after that, I moved up to deer hunting. And I shot my first deer ever at 13 with a muzzleloader. It was a, a buck I got in there. It was, was eight-pointer. Heck, yeah. I. Uh, that's funny you say you shot your first deer with a muzzleloader. I actually uh, talked to a guy the other day. I think it was two or three episodes ago. Uh, Braden Ware from Go Wild. He actually shot his first deer with a muzzleloader, too. And he's the first person that's ever told me they took their first deer with a muzzleloader. Usually it's a, a rifle or a shotgun. So it's interesting that that you say that, too, because I didn't think that was as common as it is. Yeah, around here, it's – I mean, even still around here, it's fairly uncommon just because people are always wanting to get kids in on guns. But, I mean, this is how it worked. Um, it let me get out there a little bit earlier, beat a lot of the guys out there gun hunting. And – I mean, it was still the same accuracy and everything out of 100 yards of that muzzleloader. So. so you told me kind of before the show that you got into hunting like when you were younger and you got out of it for a little bit. And then you recently or a few years ago got back into it. Um, what would you say is the biggest thing that attracts you to hunting? Because obviously you got out of it for a while and you came back. Um, is it so much the hunt or is it um, the food or maybe both? Um, I would say it's a little bit of both, like the challenge of hunting in itself attracted me because it's like, you know, you're trying to pin something down or, you know, track something, and pretty much harvest it that has been spending its whole life running away from things like coyotes and other hunters. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's way better hunters out there than I am. So that challenge attracted me to it. And then the, you know, you can't go get wild game from any other grocery store so that kind of um exoticness let me make up a word here um, yeah that kind of att attracted me back to it and you know just the, i also really really love wild game still like i love deer meat um specifically i love the heart i ate the heart this year so yeah yeah it was, it was i really hear a lot of people I, I, a few years ago, started keeping it um, and didn't grow up saving the heart as a kid. But I hear a lot of people still say gross, ooh, about the heart. But uh, if you cook it right and you uh, prepare it right and everything, it's actually really good. Oh, yeah. So um, kind of describe what the hunting environment is like in North Carolina. Um, maybe we have people out west or, um, you know, midwest like me i don't really know so much about um what you guys got going on over there um i know you said it's kind of flat a little bit of hilly what's deer season or maybe like 
what your season's like there. Is it hot all the time or do you kind of have spring, winter, fall, um, summer? Do you have snow? That sort of thing. Um, so for deer season for us, it starts September 11th. It started the 11th this year. I think usually it starts on like the 10th normally, but we had some weird calendar year. Um, so it starts September 11th and it goes all the way to January 1st. Um, and then through that whole, what's that, three months roughly, um, it really doesn't get super, super cold until about the second week of December. Um, really, we don't even have that much of a strong rut. We, we still have deer rutting all the way up until the first week of February um, just because it doesn't get cold enough. I know like this past year we had um, – like the last week of the season, I was hunting hard because I was wanting to get another, excuse me, another deer in the freezer. And um, it was like 75 for like the last week. So we're kind of like in a weird spot between like, I'm pretty sure the Gulf Stream has got something to do with it. Between like the Gulf Stream and where like the cold fronts meet. So like one week it's like 35 degrees out is a high. And then next week it's like 75 is like the high next day. And then, um, as far as like like pressure and stuff out here goes, um, in the uh, farther east counties, we have a lot of um, dog hunting clubs. Do y'all have uh, dog hunters up there? Uh, I've never seen. I mean, not. Are you talking like when it comes to deer hunting, like drives? Yeah, yeah I don't even. I'd have to check. I don't even think it's illegal in Indiana. I could be wrong, but I've never seen anybody drive deer in Indiana. Yeah, so we have a big history of that um, where people basically turn their dogs out and then, like, you know, they'll turn them out on one side of the block and their buddies will go stay on the other side of the block and push deer out and then they'll just kind of shoot them as they cross the path. Um, We have a big history of that. So, you know, once gun season kind of comes in in the middle of October, um, deer start getting a little skittish. They get very um, educated. but you know we have a really good culture of hunting it's i mean it's everywhere i mean every time you talk to someone i bet you can money if you come down here to north carolina and say like hey man you've been hunting they'll say you have been deer hunting or you have been squirrel hunting you have been turkey hunting um it's a very rich culture down here Um, yeah i've heard i've heard uh north carolina and um there's a couple other states that really have a lot of hunting culture obviously in other states people hunt but it seems like um, seems like a lot of the southern states, and I know like um, Wisconsin and stuff like that. They're like letting kids out of school and stuff for opening day of yeah. of deer season. So we we don't really have that kind of hunting culture here in Indiana, but you definitely see people out. <clears throat> but as far as North Carolina goes, if you were gonna like rank it as, I guess against other states kind of where would that fall um, in numbers when it comes to like hunting opportunities? Um, and I guess what I'm asking here is, do you think it would be worth and uh, worth the time and the money for an out-of-state guy to come to North Carolina and answer it, answer it truthfully, not just to push others away. Um, but yeah, is it, is it worth the trip or, or is it kind of pretty hard to get on stuff out there? Um, so in terms of ranking it from one to 50, I would probably put it in the top 20 
just because mm-hmm. we have so many different things you can hunt. Like you can hunt coyotes is starting to become a big thing around here. You have deer, turkey. Turkeys are starting to become a big thing again. Um, we have a bounce back of quail. Probably in the next five or six years, quail will probably make a big comeback. Um, upland bird hunting of like we have grouse and then dove that they're really big. You have dudes come from like from other states coming out here to dove hunt. And then apparently we are like one of the biggest states in the nation for bear hunting. Um, hmm. There was, I read an article not too long ago that said uh, North Carolina holds the state record for black bear. Hmm. That it's uh, 880 pounds. So Wow. Yeah. If you're going to come to North Carolina for any sort of hunting specifically, I would probably recommend black bear just because the densities are so high. Um, I looked it up and it said on the Albemarle, slash Pamlico Peninsula and our uh, our sound, it's like for, for every square mile, it's like four to one. Wow. Yeah. And up what, here in Raleigh. Uh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what do you guys, how do you hunt bears there? Do you hunt them over bait or uh, dogs? Yeah. You, um, usually you, down there in the coast, they have like more swamps. So usually you are, you're going to have to bait them to get them up out of the, um, can't think of the name of it out of the like the cattails and stuff um yeah. that's just how i've seen it done i know there's a really big outfitter out there i can't remember the name of it right now but man they pull bears out that are like 700 pounds every other week and they're shooting them over bait or um they're waiting for them to enter the rut and then like bears will just like walk across the path in front of you at like 50 yards yeah a bear is something that i've always wanted to hunt but um we get stragglers here every now and then in Indiana and it's like um it's kind of comparable to Bigfoot when you see a bear around here like it's it's not very common but um you can't hunt bears here there's not I'm sure there's a couple here and there but we don't have a season for them or anything they're not sustainable here maybe someday they will be yeah I know up here around Raleigh um there we have a crap time on the on the coast and then we have a bunch in the mountains and then, like right here in the in the middle of the Piedmont region, is like it's rare to see one. I've seen seen one get hit on the highway not far from here, and then I've had one like three years ago run through my backyard, and like that upset like the whole town. <laughs> Big old black What's up? Do you know how much a bear tag cost for a resident? Um, I actually bought one this year. It's not very expensive for a resident. I think it's like twenty bucks, if that. Um, oh, that's you gotta cheap. Your, yeah, it's, you got to get a bear stamp, and then they, you know, they do surveys for you. Like, did you see bears? Did you hunt? Did you even hunt them? So, bear hunting is definitely a bigger thing, or become a big thing since I've started hunting. <clears throat> yeah, I'll have to check into that. I'll have to see. Um what non-resident bear tags cost there because that's something that I want to plan for the future is hunt something a little different that I don't have around here and I've always wanted to shoot a bear and I'd love to have a freezer full of bear meat. I heard it's um it's sweet. Like, yeah. It's like a dark meat. So, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd love to have a, a nice fat bear too. I like to take all that fat and render it down. So, um, public land access in North Carolina, do you guys have a whole lot of public land there or is it mostly private? Um, we actually have a, a quite a big amount. Um, 
just 30 minutes north of me, there is about, uh, I think it's 10,000 acres. Um, and it's surrounding this lake. It's called Falls Lake. And that's pretty good access. Um, it's basically like a park. So people walk through there all the time. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's really good hunting. Um, and then we have another place about an hour away from here, 45 minutes to an hour. It's called Shaco Creek. Um, that's really good hunting. It's got some big deer up there. I've seen, I found some deadheads and some sheds out there. Um, but it's so heavily pressured by some of the dog um, clubs they got out there that it's really hard to hunt it once gun season comes in. But, you know, bubble and I here is pretty good. Um, they do a really good job of managing it. Um, and, you know, if you're willing to travel an hour, hour and a half, I mean, you can get into, you know, one of the five big tracks of public land out here i mean there's i've hunted five smaller ones around here in total so the two big ones and then three small ones that are still like 2,000 acres yeah i always love to ask people about their public land access in other in other states because around where i'm at we have options but around the town that i'm in we don't really have a whole lot so i find that a lot of people say within um an hour of them, like in every state, they tend to have like a big chunk of public. So public land's good and gives people opportunities to at least get out and try it. Oh yeah. I um when people when I first told people that I was gonna start hunting public land this year, they told me that uh, I wouldn't ever see anything, you know, crazy big. And to be honest with you, I saw some of the nicest bucks I've seen in a long time out there on public land. And you know, no one knows about them. They're right there next to neighborhoods or they're right there, you know, you can kind of tell they're traveling back and forth because how fat they are. You got to be, uh, got to be smarter than the deer and the people when it comes to public land. It definitely, uh, it takes time to figure out and it can be really frustrating, but, um, I love it. I love just kind of the adventure and kind of like not knowing when you hunt yeah. private land a lot, it becomes kind of it can become monotonous kind of going into the same stand doing the same thing over and over again. Um, but yeah, public land adventure. So I wanted to ask you, I know you don't live on the coast, but um, my mother-in-law recently moved from South Carolina and she was telling me that there was like deer near the ocean or like tracks on the beach or something. Do people hunt, um, near the ocean like deer or um stuff like that like on a beach i guess or do you, do you know anything about that in north carolina um so north carolina actually just put in an urban archery season um and there's one for a town called nags head that's literally like right on the beach because the deer have gotten so bad in there um so you know that's about as close to the ocean as you can get as you know you can literally throw a rock and salt water um i've i did know or i have seen guys do a lot of deer hunting up in this uh national park called protein national forest um that's where the lost roanoke colony and stuff happened or right there in that area um but they say that there's some big deer in there too and they do all that hunting around the sand around the sound um there's another guy i know he's a deer biologist for state of north carolina his name's like mariah Burgess or something I'm butchering his name, so if you hear this, I'm sorry. But he, 
he put it he put a picture out one time where he could literally see over like the the like swamp grass, like real real tall swamp grass with like cattails and everything in it. Like you could see like the channel pretty much. So yeah, they they kill them out there on the beach pretty much. You say you eat a lot of deer meat. Is that something you're gonna get into since uh, the deer are so so thick over there? Are you gonna go over there for urban archery? Um, urban archery actually just ended. So the law out there states that you have to have five continuous acres to hunt. Mm. So and Nags had ain't but like maybe fifteen acres. I would definitely love to do it. I think if I went down there during the summer and just kind of did my scouting out beforehand and talk to landowners, I think I could definitely get it done. Um, but usually I didn't really think of it until just recently. I, um, I can't imagine shooting deer, um, just from my experience, like going to the beach and getting sand and everything, getting sand in my truck, sand in my shoes, sand in my eyeballs, sand everywhere. Can't imagine, shooting a deer in a sandy place like that i i have to imagine that you would have to probably drag it out without gutting it probably get it home and hang it up or something because i bet that sand would get all inside the cavity and everything else that's that's not something i would want in my meat oh yeah definitely imagine like you're sitting there on the beach with like your your kid your wife and kids and like relaxing and then some dude like shot a deer and it's like comes out there and passes away on the beach with him <laughs> that would be a a sight man that that uh hunting by the beach i bet it's probably warm there all the time too right so oh yeah the, it's probably the a lot of is, bugs and the wind is constant out there too like there's yeah. no break from it so every tree you're sitting in is like this right here almost <sighs> so you're like you're literally hanging out of a tree like, i uh the uh I don't mind too windy days. Like if I'm sitting in my summit, obviously the wind can screw you when it comes to deer hunting, but I don't know. I get up there like 20 feet and gets a little windy. It's, it's almost a uh, relaxing, you know, you just kind of blow around in the tree. If you can just kind of get over the, the fact that you might fall out. Um, yeah. I mean, I've taken a nap in that thing. I've hunted in like 25 mile an hour winds before. And I've been like holding onto the tree. Like I got to get down, but, I don't know, 10, 15 mile an hour winds in a summit, it can be pretty cozy. I have a, like a lock-on setup I used. And one time there was a, it was like real early season and like a tropical depression was coming through. And of course I was like, I'm going to go try to shoot a deer this afternoon. And I'm sitting there like swaying. I have like the cheap harness that comes with it. I'm like, man, that harness is not going to hold me up if I fall out. I'm just sitting there like going like this the whole time. Like 30 mile an hour winds and it's just like a lock-on like i'm just barely strapping to the tree so that that made me realize how important uh tree stand safety is <laughs> yeah it uh it doesn't take much to knock you out i i like to when i have hang-ons and stuff i like to have branches above me just in case like <clears throat> i slip or it gets real windy i feel like i can grab that branch but that's not saying that branch won't break in the wind too <laughs> <laughs> it's just a mental thing so deer in north carolina how big do they get when it comes to rack and body size and um what do they mostly feed on there do you guys have a lot of ag 
Um, we have a, a whole, whole lot of ag. So the farther east you get, the smaller the deer get. But since there's so much ag, the antlers on them are still fairly big. Um, I had a buddy one time tell me one time that he thought the buck was bigger than what it actually was because the body of it was so small. He thought it was like a 140-inch buck. So he's sitting there like shaking the whole time. And it's really only like a 120-pound buck because that's just yeah. how small they are. The body uh, size th threw him off when it came to looking at the rack because it was, yeah. Yeah. But there is, I had a buck right here by my house one time, um, and I'm up in here in the Piedmont region, and the buck was probably every bit of 200 pounds, and it's, you know, its bases were like beer cans. Probably not quite that big, but they were pretty close. It looked like something out of, like, Kansas or something. Hmm. Big old thick buck. And then I know up there in the mountains, they, um, they have something in the soil. I can't remember what it is, but it makes the the deer a whole lot healthier and um, a whole lot strong. I think it's because they have so many exposed rocks or something. They can lick it, get more minerals, like natural minerals. So the bucks up there get even bigger. But around here in the Piedmont region, I would say you could probably probably get a good, if you knew where you're at and, or knew how to hunt them and you had a good spot, you could probably get a 140-inch buck out of any given yeah. spot. And it'd probably be 220 pounds. But so they mostly gonna, feed on like. Sorry. Oh, sorry. If if you're going to hunt in North Carolina, then you're going after a, a decent buck. You want to stay more um, west. Yeah, they um. there was an article put out not too long ago that said uh, the northeastern part of the Piedmont was really good. Um, I can't really agree or disagree with that. I would say like, yeah, like more west. Um, once you get towards probably Greensboro, um, I know Banner Elk has some good deer out there. Um, Cherokee, pretty much that part of the state is really good. Um, what what's uh, what do the deer mostly feed on? What's most of your ag? Um, so most of our ag kind of rotates, but majority of it I've seen them feed on is um, soybeans. They love corn. They'll get out there and lay down in the corn during the summer because it's like so much cooler underneath there. They'll get in there and lay down in it and just eat on it all day and won't move. Um, see them eating Milo. Then they we have a lot of oaks around here, like white oaks. They love white oaks. And whenever they hear them dropping, you can almost guarantee you're going to see a deer there. And we do have some red oaks, but they ain't. They're not too much of a, a fan of them. And then they'll just eat random stuff like briars. Um, wood tips like little trees or whatever mm. little ends of them um i see them eat ferns um there was something else i've seen them eat dried hay before i don't know how good it was for it but i've seen them do it um just pretty much anything and everything since we also have a lot of neighborhood deer too they eat a lot of like a uh, decorative plants they're starting to become a big issue you should uh you should maybe use that to your advantage. Maybe some of those people get tired of the the deer eating on their uh, roses and everything else, or their gardens. Oh yeah, I was um hunting on the backside of a neighborhood this past deer season, and I would like pull in like right there because the entrance to the neighborhood and the public land was like right next to each other, and so like so people would, would come like walking by, and I'd just get the dirtiest look. I was like, well, <laughs> I'm on this public land, man. Yeah. 
that uh yeah that's a whole nother topic when it comes to yeah to hunter harassment and all that stuff um so you like to experiment with uh cooking cooking some some animals that people don't usually cook um kind of talk about some of the animals i guess that you've played around with and then later on in the episode maybe we'll dive deeper into it but just kind of give us a lay down on uh what you've played around with um so the most off the wall one that i've done recently was um the nutria that so to kind of break it down for you a nutria is a big old rodent um a lot of people confuse them with muskrats because they look so similar um <clears throat> they're like they get close to like 20 pounds they're about like three foot long I mean, they're they're a big rodent and so i cooked that one recently that one to me was the most similar to pork surprisingly the rodent it's uh there's some acronym for it it's like r-o-u-s rodent of unusual size that tasted almost like a pig to me and then i cooked it it's pretty greasy then yes i stewed it just because i was cooking it for a bunch of other people because all my coworkers were wanting to try like something I had cooked. So, you know, I made it into a stew, something that I know everybody would like. And it still tasted kind of greasy to me, but they said it was really good. Um, they loved it. It was, it was, a, it was a hit. Did they, yeah. uh, did they know what it was when you brought it in or did you just tell them it was wild game? Oh yeah, I made sure like they knew what it was because I didn't want anybody getting upset with me. Yeah, here's this giant rat I put in this crock pot. Like just just go go ahead and have your nutria and some some potatoes and carrots on the side and yeah, no big deal. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then um, I cooked the beaver before that. Um, that that was honestly really good. I. I've been looking for a beaver, another beaver ever since that. It um it's, it's like sweet. It's really hmm. sweet. Um it's not as as lean as a lot of wild game, so I didn't have to add as much beef broth. But um I mean it was still, you know, I would be careful. I wouldn't just, you know, do it like regular beef and just not put anything in there. Man, so. I I'm real big into eating stuff rare. You think I can get by with eating a beaver rare? You think I get sick? Uh, I think you could probably get by with it if it's like a little bit medium, but I, I don't think I'd want to eat a, a a beaver rare. I mean, the flesh of it looks, I mean, fine. It's red, it's red meat, but I don't know if I'd want to eat a rodent rare. You, so, you probably will get sick. So... Um, I imagine beavers and nutria are, you know, they're both rodents. It's pretty similar. It's funny that they, they taste so much different, right? Yeah. Or do they taste pretty, pretty close? I think they taste very different. Um, the nutria, I don't know if I've already said it, but that was like a pork. That was, um, like you said, it was very greasy. There was another word I used for it. Oh, it was like salty. 
was like very, very salty. Uh, and it just could have been the where the nutrient came from. But and then the beaver was like really sweet. It was it was like um I'm trying to think of an animal I could compare it to. It was it was like it was like a little bit of a deer and beef combo. I okay. Compared to anything, which I mean it was really good. So so how did you get into I know you told me a little bit when we talked on Instagram that you had shot some beavers. How did you kind of get into that? And uh <clears throat> what does that whole process kind of look like? Because I I've got a I've got a piece of property in Kentucky that I it's got a bunch of people that lease on it. It's a pretty big area, but they don't allow trapping. And uh you can technically still hunt beavers there, but you just can't trap beavers there. Um, so I'm kind of maybe looking to shoot a couple beavers. So I was hoping maybe you could give me some insight on, on how to do that. Cause you, you, obviously you can't shoot them at nighttime. So how am I going to find a beaver during the day to shoot? And then once I do that, how am I going to get it when it's in the middle of the lake? So usually what you can do is, um, depending upon what your local laws say, you can disturb the beavers, uh, like lodge. Oh, you usually. can. Around here, you, I'm pretty sure you can, um, unless they're causing like imminent damage. Then it's you know, game warden is pretty much just like a fair game. Yeah. Um, that's whenever we would like target the beavers when they were like causing a lot of damage. So you know, you can usually do that. You can disturb the nest. Um, beavers are pretty. Not like they're not aggressive in the fact that they're going to come up and like attack you, but they're pretty aggressive in like they'll do things like scare you off. Um, if you mess with their nests, usually what has been most successful for me is if you wait till like right at the edge of dark. Um, usually they're already halfway across where they want to be once the sun goes down. So if you can catch them before they move out or you know move to where they want to be and start hiding again um you know you can take them out that way we used to just use a, a red light out here like coyote hunting i don't know what the laws are in that area that you're talking about but we would just use a red light and wait for them to get up on the bank and then you know we would just take like a, a 223 or a 22 magnum or even buckshot and just shoot them that way um we would use like triple on bucks so, so you just kind of waiting near, you're waiting kind of near the beaver lodge. Yeah, that, that's usually what um, we would do is get up on a lodge or get up like on an overlook. And usually you can hear them swimming around in, in the creeks and stuff because they're turning around so much. So usually you have a good idea where they're going to be at. Yeah. I don't know if I, uh, I've been around some beavers, uh, catfishing years ago at some, public land i kept hearing this loud it would scare you because it'd be like every five minutes or something but a loud smack i'm like what the heck is that so finally i went down there and shined a light and i'm like that's a beaver he's you know i was in kind of close proximity to him and he was probably trying to scare me off but those suckers are loud at nighttime when they they go slapping their tails i mean it'll it'll start you startle you when it's really quiet out i um had one run in with one where I was, I was bow hunting on this farmer's property 
and I had to walk past the pond and I'm, you know, I'm probably 60 yards away from the edge of the pond and there's some deer to my right and I'm walking below like this terrace, like trying to be all stealthy and this beaver just slaps the water so loud and makes me jump up. And then next thing I know, I hear deer running off. So, so you, um, cooking them and all that stuff, is that pretty new to you? Um, or like in the past when you hunted them, did you just kind of leave them lay or, or how's that usually work? Do you usually keep every beaver you shoot? So whenever in the past I would hunt them, it would usually be like my buddy would have permission to this piece of property and he'd be like, Hey man, like we got beavers out there causing problems. You want to come out there and, you know, spend a Friday night and go out there and shoot beavers. And he would have, he would go get the beavers and like, you know, try and depending on how bad the hide was, he would try and get the hide off of it and, you know, make something with it. Or he would get the tail out and, you know, he tried it one time and I personally didn't want anything to do with it because the tail didn't look all that appetizing. But basically it's just like a big old layer of fat. And I did some research and it says that like back in like the 18, back when um, trapping was a real big thing, they're still settling farther west. Um, trappers would like eat the tail of the beaver because it had so much like a yeah fat content and stuff that they needed. Yeah, yeah, and and it, and then beaver meat was also a delicacy, which I had found out um, on this last beaver we got. So I was like, well, you know, I, I'll just give it a shot and see what it does. And so cooking them is a fairly new thing to me. Um, but, you know, handling them isn't, I would say. It, it cooks, I mean, usually I just try and do, like, simple recipes so I can kind of get, like, a a taste of what the actual meat is going to be like instead of, like, trying to, like, douse it and everything and, like, hide up the, the flavor of the actual animal. So how did you how did you cook the beaver then? Did you throw it in a crock pot with potatoes and carrots or did you fry it up or what's happening? Yeah, like? I, I, um... I did the beaver in a crock pot. I took potatoes, carrots, um, whole large onion. Uh, I threw some garlic in there and some red pepper. And it like it went really well together. It, it wasn't like bland. Like I've had some roast be- or, you know, stew that was like super bland. I was like, man, this is not good. And, I made it like that. I put like two cloves of garlic in it. It was really good. And you could still taste the beaver all at the same time. So, Did you, uh, did you debone it out first or no. just throw it in there with the bones? I, um, I took, I took the back straps off the beaver and then I took the two hams and I left it all on the bone. I mean, I cut the feet off too, but, um, I left everything on the bone. So it'd be kind of like its own broth in a way. And um, I honestly think that's why it turned out so good is letting it cook with his bones in it. And then at the end, before I served it up to anybody, you know, I went through and picked all the bones out and it was only like three bones. Yeah. It, it seems like when you cook stuff with bones and it always turns out better. Yeah. That's just from my experience. Every time um, my mom's done roast with like beef, she's usually got like a, some sort of bone in roast or, you know, whatever. And it usually turns out way better than the ones that don't have bones in it. Um, you ever consider cracking those bones open and eating the, the marrow out of them? 
I did. I did when I first picked it up. I was like, it don't look that bad. And then I was like, uh, I probably shouldn't because my mom, my mom was over there like freaking out. Not freaking out, but she was like, I don't want none of it. I can't imagine eating a beaver, be able to rodent. And, you know, I ate it. I was like, man, this is good. Like, man, this is really good. I have to say, like, you're already eating the meat. Like, you're already kind of invested. Why not go for the marrow, you know? <laughs> yeah. I've uh, I've only seen one person eat the marrow of anything. It was like a chicken bone. And mm. that marrow just – kind of repulsed me after that yeah so a a nasty old farm uh like a farm race factory race chickens probably uh probably not as good as a a wild beaver i don't know man like if i was that invested i might go ahead and crack it open i'll definitely do on the next one now that you got me thinking about it even more i don't know maybe uh i've heard that stuff's good like to use as a spread on like bread or something, kind of like butter. <laughs> might try it, man. It might be your new favorite thing. You might start hey. an Instagram page about like eating beaver marrow. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'll make sure to tag you in it. I'll send you some in a jar. Yeah, I'll definitely take it as long as that's legal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Def- so let's kind of talk about beaver sizes when it comes to like weight, length stuff like that i know we already covered that they're a little bit aggressive but how big is like a big beaver and kind of what's a small beaver so the one i ate was probably like 55 60 pounds which is like (laughs) um that's a big beaver yeah (laughs) yeah it is and um i've seen some get up to like 70 and i've I've looked it up like how what was like the biggest one and it said like a hundred pounds. Oh and God. yeah, I can only imagine like a hundred pound beaver. Like that's bigger than my Rottweiler I have outside. Yeah. And I've, I've seen some baby ones, like, you know, a little furry, but they're like little 10, 15 pounds. And they're, they're still big for, you know, what they are, but they're, they're so cute when they're like 10, 15 pounds. You're not going to shoot any babies, is that what you're saying? I don't think I could bring myself to it. Yeah. I don't think I could do it. Now, the first time one slaps his tail at me, it might be a little bit different. Maybe, unless it's like a little fluff, little fluff ball or something. I don't know if it's legal. Maybe you can uh, maybe you can live trap one and keep it as a pet. I don't know. <laughs> there was um, one time we were up there at the lake, and it was like, it was like 4th of July. And, you know, I'm – my family was there and, you know, her friends and their kids and stuff. We're all swimming out there in the cove. And, like, across the cove, we heard someone, like, start screaming, like, bloody murder. I was like, what in the world? And apparently someone had got attacked by a beaver. And, like, it had bit all the way through to, like, his femoral artery. Oh, my like, God. Dude yeah, dude almost died out there in the lake with us. <laughs> I could, I could, uh... I could imagine that they could chew through your bone pretty quick. They're pretty destructive when it comes to trees. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Have you ever like heard them chew? Uh, yeah, a few times actually. Um, mostly while I was in a deer stand, hunting kind of in a swampy area. That that will make you think like 
man, I'm not too worried about the bear. I'm worried about the beaver that's got uh, teeth chewing through wood. Like the, yeah. I mean, you can hear it. It's very distinct. Do you, uh, do you end up keeping those skulls of those beavers? No, I didn't. I didn't keep uh, any of those just because I didn't really like they had this gland called a castrium. It makes mm-hmm. them waterproof. I didn't really, I was like, man, I really don't want to get that on me because, you know, beavers and muskrats have castrium in them. And I've heard so many stories where dudes would be like trapping muskrats and like the castrium would get on them and like it would ruin their clothes. Like there was nothing you could do to get out of anything, the castrium out of your clothes. So I was like, I ain't messing with it. I, uh, I've heard people talk about like trappers and stuff. I don't know if you can buy that like it's like a gland or whatever the oil they get from it but that's pretty like high quality stuff i've heard people seek after that quite a bit it's kind of like comparable to deer and doenestrus yeah so um i think which what they were talking about is the castrium uh, it's it's basically like uh how deer communicate with their urine um mm-hmm. what a lot of trappers do is they'll go put it like on a trap and that beaver will think another beaver is moving into its uh property or whatever it's territory you know you get all riled up and angry and i'll go in there into the trap thing is about to fight another beaver and then you know trap gets it this episode of the podcast is brought to you by bear beans coffee bear beans coffee was built by passionate hunters like you and i and their mission is to give back to wildlife specifically bear conservation bear beans coffee offers both ground and whole bean options and their flavors include dark roast hibernation roast and spring awakening when drinking Bear Beans coffee, you can be confident that you are getting a high-quality cup of joe and supporting bear conservation across North America. 10% of all profits from Bear Beans are donated to carefully selected partners such as the Western Bear Foundation. Visit bearbeans.com to buy coffee and support bear conservation today. It sounds like a good way to hunt them and put some of that down and just like post up. Yeah, I thought about cutting the cash room clan out but then i was had second thoughts about it you ever think about I, eating I, one of those what a cash room gland? yeah no no <laughs> man they uh i couldn't imagine what that would taste like i mean i've seen it before it looks like the gonad off a deer yeah i mean i'm sure it wouldn't be very uh well received in my house if i had to cook it in here I don't know, man. You're you're eating like you're eating nutria, like some kind of rat that I never like had heard of. Like maybe you should you should like uh, on your five percent TV, your your YouTube and your Instagram. Maybe you just eat all this weird shit. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I um I didn't really intend to like start eating weird shit just because it was weird. Um, I heard about how beaver was like a delicacy back in the day. I was like, I want to see what I'm missing out on. And after that, I was like, I see why it's a delicacy. Everybody was like, you know, oh, man, that's gross. And then I gave some to my mom's friends, like some beaver. And they were like, man, that's like some good stuff. Like, they said they wanted more if I ever cooked anymore. So I was like, well, you know, I guess that's going to be a a big thing in the channel now. It's kind of of like that whole thing with like people eat beef they'll eat chicken and they'll eat turkey from the store it's like not a thing and then you're like oh you want some deer meat and they're like ooh, like i don't want to eat a deer 
it's kind of like the same thing. Like people that like eat deer, like deer hunters, it's like the next crossover, you know, we're moving on to like something maybe more, I don't know if exotic is the right word, but it's like, oftentimes you find if you just try it, it's actually pretty good. I mean, they weren't eating it back in the 1800s and stuff because it was nasty. Yeah, I definitely, every time I've talked to someone that said like deer meat is like gross, I'm like, well, what'd you eat? And they're like, um, I had like backstrap. It's like, okay, well, what it looked like on the inside when you ate it, brown. Okay, you, you ate some overcooked deer. Like that's yeah. something I see everybody do. They cook the ever-living crap out of some deer meat and it is tough and just leathery and it's like man you're 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 ruining a good piece of meat like you're supposed to eat that thing like red yeah i, I don't know if you want to eat it like <laughs> like rare but you know i like mine medium like i eat that heart medium and it, was, it just had a little bit of pink to it man that was really good and then i cooked uh some tenderloin and some backstrap and that was like the best tender I've ever had it. Man, that's all, that's all I eat around my house is deer meat. I, I'll eat it with the blood dripping out of it. I don't care if it's ground up or backstrap or whatever it is. Like, I don't know. I have this weird thing. Like, I, tr I, I trust it. Like, I know, I know, like, where it died and how it got handled. Like, it, it just cracks me up, like, People see you do that, like people come over to your house and they see you like eating rare deer meat and they're like, oh, you're going to get sick. Oh, you're going to, you know, whatever. But then they'll go out to like Logan's or Texas Roadhouse. I don't know if you have those there, but they'll like order a rare steak that came from some factory farm. That was probably like beef imported from India. God only knows, you know, the living conditions and how it was handled. And nobody like bats an eye about it. I just... It's just this, such a strange thing to me. Yeah, that was another reason why I started um, hunting, too, is because I was like, man, I really want to know like what I'm putting in my body. Um, but going back to what you were saying, like eating like raw hamburger. So you're like, my grandpa used to do the same thing, but he would like take like raw hamburger and like roll it up in a little, a little ball and eat it. Are you the same way? Yeah, I've done it. A f I've done it a few times. I've heard of... Um... Sometimes I'll put it in a skillet and just kind of like if I'm making, let's say tacos, I'll just kind of let it brown for just a second, but it's still like pretty bloody. Um, and it, it has such a different taste to it than it does once it kind of gets to that point where it's browned. I've eaten it raw a couple times. Um, I like the flavor of it. I don't so much care for the, the texture of it when it's raw. But I mean, like raw steak, it doesn't really like bother me at all. Yeah, I um, I can only imagine the, like the the texture of it. What well, like what's the texture of like raw ground up deer meat? Um, I've always wondered that. I mean, it's it's obviously it's it's mushy. You know, it's not like yeah. it's kind of not like it's not. I guess meaty in the sense because when you when you brown it or whatever, it, it kind of clumps together, you know? So then it's kind of like, it's like eating a hamburger or eating kind of like a chunk of steak. It's actually got some, like, it gives you some resistance when you chew it. When you chew something that's like ground raw meat, it's going to be more mushy kind of, I'd say it's like if you put gum on the roof of your mouth, 
and like push it with your tongue. It would be like mushy like that. But try it, man. I've heard of a lot of like like old timers would eat like raw meat, like raw ground meat with like onions or something. It's supposed to be really good. I've never tried it, but maybe I will next time. I'm not scared of it. I've never gotten sick from it, so I'm not worried. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't be worried about eating some raw deer. I mean, I've never heard of them carrying anything that, like, transfers to humans. Let me ask you this. Like- Let me ask you this. How many times have you heard about people getting food poisoning from restaurants and from street fairs and all that stuff? And then how many times have you heard about people getting food poisoning from their own house? <laughs> Not very many. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just something kind of like, I don't know. People think it's okay to eat raw meat because it was, you know, inspected by the government. But like, I don't know, man. I don't trust it. Yeah. I, everybody was like, everybody was kind of bashing. Like whenever I eat like, you know, semi undercooked, like anything like, man, you know, you don't know what that deer or, you know, that beaver had. I'm like, well, I mean, I know that it lived in a fairly clean, you know, environment. I was like, where do you think that pig has been standing its whole life that six months it was alive or however long or that, you know, that cow was only alive for three years. How much walking do you think that thing did? I would definitely rather, you know, eat that raw deer meat than that pig that rolled around in its own, you know, mud. Yeah, people, I don't know, man, people are like, they're disconnected from reality. Just like 100 years ago, that like wasn't a thing. You needed some meat, like you just went out and shot it. Now it's like, if you need meat and Walmart's out, like you're screwed. Like, I'm not worried about it. I'm not yeah. worried about it at all. Like I'm stocked up. And if I run out, like I know where to get it. I know how to butcher it. I'm not worried. So I'll let the meat market crash. I don't really care. Uh, I don't buy that shit from the store anyway. Yeah. My mom was like freaking out the other day. She uh, was like, Oh man, like, you know, food line or whatever was like out of like, whatever. I was like, mom, I was like, I have like 40 pounds of deer meat left over in the fridge, like fresh deer meat, like off a doe I killed this year. All right, we have plenty of meat to last us until like two or three months down the road. And even then, I was like, turkey season's coming up, and I was like, I, I was like I'll take one thing. If, if I get a turkey, I'm eating that more than anything else. <laughs> Granted, it's going to last every bit of like three days. So kind of back to, to Nutria, how big do they get? I know we covered it a little bit, but like what's a big Nutria and what's a small one? And like how long do they live, do you know? Um, they usually live probably about six years, um, for like a big one, I've seen 20 pounds, but then I also had another buddy. He, uh, he, dude, he is like the Nutria, like he exterminates them. He said he's seen some like 40 pounds. And I mean, he's a Nutria. A, he's a Nutria exterminator. You can stick that on a sticker, slap yeah. that on your truck. I'm gonna get dude. He just his truck just got uh racked up the other day, dude. I'm gonna get it for his other truck. I'm gonna be like nutrient exterminator across the back. He'll put that on Facebook for me. Man, and, you should uh, sneak just sneak over to his house or something and stick it on his truck or his 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 vehicle whenever he's asleep. He'll just come out in the morning, go to work or class, and it'll be like what? 
Dude, he said uh, he's killed some that are like upwards of like forty pounds. They look like a like a bathroom rug. Wow. That's how big they get. Yeah, and he was like, you know, that's a big one, but I mean, only I can only imagine the dudes in Louisiana eat living daylights out of them things. I mean, huh. gr- granted, the, the people in Louisiana can't eat anything. Nothing against them. Nothing against them. But I mean. I've I've seen some scary stuff come about Louisiana on a kebab or whatever you want to call it. Man, I don't know. Like, I just got all these ideas popping in my head. Like, instead of like the Turtle Man, he could be like the Nutria Man, and he could just like start his own channel, and that's that's just like his thing. I don't know. Yeah, I I would definitely one hundred percent support it. He um he's like a real real big duck hunter, and they'll go in there and like mess up his like a. Uh, his impound impoundments or whatever. And dude, he'll spend like two days up there, like at his hunting club, and he'll kill like twenty on on one weekend. I'm like, dude, I'm like <laughs> he doesn't eat any of them though. So I'm like, man, if you get any beavers and nutrients, slide a couple my way. How do you uh how do you hunt nutrient? Are they trapping them or are they shooting them kind of like similar to the beaver thing? Like how do you find them? Um, so nutria aren't as nearly as big of a problem, um, up here because they're still like an invasive species. They came from Louisiana and then before they got there, it came from central or South America or something, but people usually trap them, um, or that they're more of like an opportunity thing. So, you know, you're out there in the swamps and you just kind of see them swim across like the, what's the name of it? Like a little opening, like a little lagoon. You'll see them just kind of swim across. And it's like, all right, well, you're getting steel shot this morning. So, I wouldn't say it's like there's a. Well, I mean, there's not a season on them because they're a non-game animal. But I wouldn't say people go hunting them outright until they actually start popping up. And even then, okay. when they do, they just kind of shoot them while they're hunting something else. Are they? Uh, <clears throat> are they pretty easy, or are they hard to skin when it comes to like pulling the hide and all that stuff off? Um, I would say they're like in between, like, have you ever skinned a rabbit? Yeah. Like skinning a rabbit is hard for me because all I want to do is just, just pull. Yeah. Um, you, you can pull a little bit on a nutria, but you're probably going to tear it up. So it's more about the cutting. It's not, I would give it like a, a five out of 10 on a difficulty scale. It can yeah. be like overly hard. Is their hide and their like their fur and stuff? Is that pretty similar to a beaver? Um, a beaver's fur is a lot softer. Um, a nutria's got kind of like wiry hair. Um, they got like that long, that long outer coat and then like that soft undercoat. Um, hmm. It's like really weird feeling. It's like you're touching like a like a, a mat, like the doormat or whatever, where you wipe your shoes on. Yeah, it's probably comparable to like a wild hog or something. Yeah, I've never touched wild hog, but I know we got some out there in western North Carolina, so hopefully I can get out there soon and get one. So it, it, it I guess it's probably like just pretty coarse then would be a good word for it. Yeah, very coarse animal. They're, so, um, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. I'm just rambling. 
so um nutria then is not pretty common to hunt there it's kind of like you're you're a weird guy if you're out like hunting nutria yeah i mean if you're out there like straight up targeting them um you'd be i guess you'd be kind of like the odd one out just because they're not that much of a terrible problem yet just and a lot of people don't really know about them right now but you know you don't get a lot of guys out on them straight up so you're in college now right you're studying some kind of um conservation stuff yeah i'm I'm going to school for uh wildlife management okay um so we talked a little bit earlier about bob white quail um are those something that they're like trying to bring back in your area? Is that something like you hunt? Are you allowed to hunt them? I don't know anything about quail hunting at all. Other than like, I think you walk up some ditch lines or something and shoot them. I'm not really sure. Um, so the Bob white quail are just now starting to come back. They're a lot like our wild turkeys. Our wild turkeys just now made a, a good comeback. Um, so this is like the first year I've actually seen them. Um, and even then, I saw some out there on game lands the first couple of times. Like, what in the world was that? And then I asked some guys around that were like alive when the quail was like a very common. But so <clears throat> that and they're like, yeah, that's quail. And I was like, oh, that's sweet because you know it's awesome seeing stuff like that come back. And then <clears throat> there is a hunting season on them, but. I mean, hunting them around here isn't really heard of just because there's not really that many. Like, I mean, even still, I think I only saw like four coveys the whole time. And I went deer hunting a lot this year. But it's more common down there at the East Coast part of the state because they have like a better habitat for them. And they just need like a lot of grasslands and you know, like ag fields and then like briars and everything else all at the same time. And people, but, uh, people are running those, they're jumping them up kind of with dogs. Is that kind of like the, the gist of how you hunt them? Yeah. So usually you get like, I think it's like GSP is like a German short hair pointer or some sort of pointer. And they usually just kind of track them up, like smell them up and they'll point them out. And you'll say, or you'll have like another dog that like flushes. And when that dog flushes, they'll just kind of all jump up all at once. And, you know, you pick one or two out and you just aim for them. Usually how it goes. Those are, uh, those are probably pretty good to eat. You going to try to get your hands on one of those? Yeah, I actually tried a couple times this year. Um, our quail season opened up November 13th and it just went out February 28th. I went a couple times just trying my luck and you know doing a little bit of rabbit and squirrel and dove hunting all at the same time um so i never got a chance to see one because they you know moved around but i've also heard they're really really good you can get them in restaurants too so I can no no i don't no no i don't want that tainted that tainted by humans <laughs> meat i'm not saying i don't eat from restaurants but like if i'm going with some kind of crazy bob white uh, quail or something I, I like i'm no i'm not getting a farm raised one well yeah i was just i was just trying to point out like their delicacy um bob white quail is really i mean it's like a little round fat bird that stays hmm. on the ground the whole time 
And it's got like um, it's got like white around its eyes. Um, it's got like black eyelids. It's got like a little feather, whatever it sticks up. Um, and usually pretty, there's pretty cool looking, then, huh? Oh yeah, they're beautiful, and they're um, when you see one of them, you usually see about ten. So, and their um, their noise is like very distinct. So, but they so, look like a lot of fun. You, you do. Uh, I look at your Instagram. I saw some squirrel hunting stuff on there. I'm weirdly like super into squirrel hunting. I know like a lot of people aren't anymore. Like you talk to people and they're like turkeys or deer, but I love to shoot squirrels like in the in the summertime, in the wintertime. Like I don't know, man. I just love it. Um, what kind of attracts you to like? that to, to squirrel hunting yeah um so the biggest thing for squirrel hunting for me is that it's like it's hard it I is mean, hard and people like dude people think like you went out and you like got up at like four in the morning you went out and you shot two squirrels you drove like 60 miles you know there and back to some kind of public land you shot two squirrels like they're like Oh, I was drinking coffee this morning and saw 12. Like, I could have shot like 12 off the bird feeder. I'm like, look, it's not the same. Like, people it's, just don't understand that. It's really not. Um, I there was one time me and my buddy Justin, I, I probably have him up there on, on my Instagram a little bit. We um went one morning, this was like right at the end of deer season, and it was like when it was real hot. We went and we spent like like a full day out there and my mom and we came back and my mom had shot like two off the bird feeder and it was like taunting us with it and we went back to another spot the next morning and we, we nicknamed it the killing tree we killed nine squirrels out of that one tree so that persistence of the squirrel hunting and just listening and being like aware of these little, I mean, small, great. Do you have gray squirrels in Indiana? Yeah, we have. Uh, that was gonna be my next question for you too. We have fox and gray squirrels. What um, what, we, uh, what what squirrels do you guys have? We have. Um, we do have the fox and the gray squirrels. Foxes are very like rare. I've only seen two in my whole life. Hmm. Um, one of them was in Halifax County, which is like not far from Virginia. And then I saw one in Wayne County, which is like close to the coast. And um, I mean, they're, you know, <laughs> I yeah. was like, man, is that a skunk? Because you know how they're black and white. And I was like, nah, man, that's a fox squirrel. I was like, there ain't no way. That thing's way too big. I was like, man, man, that's how big they get. Yeah, they I, uh, they get pretty good size. We, I would say like majority of the time, like when you go hunting, you're going to probably shoot a gray squirrel around here, but I, I've killed my fair share of fox squirrels for sure. Um, I know for fox squirrels, you can only shoot two per season. Oh. Hmm. And here for gray squirrels, the daily limit is eight. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, you can kill your fair share of squirrels. Yeah. In um, Indiana, it's, uh, it's five and you can kill foxes or grays. Um, and I also hunt Kentucky. It's only about 20, 
20 minutes from my house. So um, down there you can kill six in one day, and it's also uh, either fox or gray squirrel. So <clears throat> technically I could go in the morning, uh, kill limit in Indiana, and then slide over to Kentucky and kill limit over there in the evening if I want to. Man, that, that would be like a serious like barbecue right there. Like, what's your uh, what's your like preferred way of like cooking squirrel? I'm I'm a big squirrel connoisseur. I cook them every kind of way. Cook All right, casserole. All right, we're gonna get it. We're gonna get into it. I can <laughs> uh, I can see that Garrett hasn't checked out my YouTube yet with my whole uh, I d- 30, I saw the- 30, thirty some odd podcasts on there, and then like two videos because I'm like very inconsistent when it comes to like making hunting videos, but um. I was messing with you. One video though, I did a, and it was a really shitty squirrel. And I, I went in the evening and shot one squirrel. Just couldn't seem to like get on any squirrels. It was super, super cold outside. Um, <clears throat> I did a killing cook on the back of my truck and I made hot wings out of them. And if you haven't had hot wings out of them, you are missing out. It is so freaking good. Forget B-dubs, like Buffalo Wild Wings, it's trash. Like, hot wings out of squirrel is like, it'll change your life, I promise. So, how'd you get it to be, like, so tender? Um, I usually, um, when I shoot squirrels, I bring them home. I'll soak them in salt water at least a couple of days. I've soaked them up to a week before, and I think that really helps with it. But this one... I shot it within an hour. Um, I cleaned it. I I just put flour and salt and pepper on it. And uh, I fried it in a cast iron skillet in the back of my truck, just like you would regular fried squirrel, you know, uh, just like, like fried chicken. And then I, I dumped out the oil and uh, cleaned out the pan. I, I heated up some wing sauce in that pan and just kind of got it warm and basted them in that no tenderizing or anything. It was probably because it was fresh. It was so good. It, it, I mean, it, it would change your life. You don't even want to eat like chicken wings from, I guess you probably, you guys probably have like Tyson chicken, like wings at the store. That's like we have here, but like you do that, you're not going to eat no more Tyson chicken wings. I promise you. I might have to try that. Um, I've done a casserole with them. I've done like, um, I try to redo the recipe of uh squirrel and dumplings off the of meat eater. I don't know if you watch meat eater like that. Yeah, a little bit. But the one with um Clay, Clay Newcomb and Giannis and Stephen and them. Yeah. Where they like did the dumplings and stuff like in the pot. I tried to redo that, and it was not nearly it didn't work good. out. No, it wasn't terrible, but you got to eat it that day for yeah. it to be like considered good. Um, I've had boiled squirrel before. That sounds uh, that sounds terrible. pretty terrible. Yeah, it was awful. I um, I had a big squirrel hunting guy. Let me look here. Let me let me like catch up. Which episode? Episode twenty of this podcast. I had Marcus Gray on. He uh. He's a big squirrel hunter. He hunts with dogs and stuff a lot. But I remember him um, telling me they did some kind of wild game banquet or something for, um, I'm sure it was like raise money for something. But obviously, 
he's a squirrel killer, so he had a lot of squirrels. And I, I can't remember exactly if he said he cooked him in a crock pot or what, but somehow they deboned him and they turned him into something similar to like a crab cake, but they were like squirrel cakes. And he said he took it to that wild game banquet and he said people annihilated him. They were, he said that they are phenomenal. So that's something like I've been wanting to try for a while. I'm sure it's like, um, it's probably pretty time consuming, but I mean, I love squirrel meat. So like I'm game. It's probably similar to like a salmon patty, I imagine, but with squirrel. Oh yeah, definitely. I, um, I can only imagine how good that was. And people are like, the thing about it too, is be like, people like know they're eating something that's not like from the store. So yeah. they're like, I don't care what it is at this point. Yeah. I don't know, man. People are weird about squirrels. They're like, I don't know. It's back to that thing. Like they'll eat all this crazy shit from the store, but like it's got all this dye and all this stuff in it. But then, they don't want to eat a squirrel that's been like chewing on hickory nuts for the past six months. I, I just don't get it. Like it's organic, man. What do you, we have this store here called like fresh market and it's like an organic, there's like some organic stores and like people go there and they spend all this money on this like organic food, but like they go buy a box of 22 shells and a hundred dollar rifle. And like they come, they come out ahead like every time. Oh yeah, definitely. I, um, I tried to explain that to like one of my teachers. She was like, Oh, you're going to go out there and like shoot the four little squirrels. I was like, uh, no, I was like, these squirrels have been like, they've lived a good life. It's not like I'm just sitting there with, you know, I don't know the exact name of it, but like a nail gun and like going to shoot them between the eyes. Like, no, these squirrels are very smart and they're very capable of getting away from me. And they've lived what probably a better life than any person I know. I mean, all they're doing is just running around, hiding from stuff and eating and doing squirrel stuff all day. Yeah, man, I've had I've had people hit me with that. Um, you're going to go out and shoot that poor little deer, that poor little squirrel, whatever it is. And I always hit them back with this. Do you eat meat? And like 90, you know, 90 percent of the time, 99 percent of the time, it's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, do you know where that comes from? Like, do you know? And nothing against, like, cattle farmers and stuff. Like, <clears throat> I know that people got to survive and, like, not everybody can hunt. But, like, they're kept in cages. They don't roam free. I don't know, man. I just hit them with that usually. And it, it, it usually ends right there because they don't want to, like, go into this big, long debate, which I'm up for. Like, I don't know. Not that I have to win or anything, but, like, I feel like I'm right. I feel like it's yeah. more ethical. I, I've had that argument a couple times too. And sorry if I'm like making faces. Like I got into a bed of chiggers the other day and they tore my legs up. So I'm scratching. Uh -oh. uh, yeah. But I've, I've had that debate so many times with people. Um, my uncle was one of those people. He's like, man, it's, it's wrong that you're going out there and shooting, you know, these deer or these animals. I'm like, man, I'm like, what do you think that pig that you're eating lived like? What do you think that chicken lived like? What do you think that cow lived like? I mean, like I said, there's nothing nothing against ranchers. I have, you know, plenty of family friends who are ranchers and, you know, sell cows and stuff. But it's like not every farm is ran like that. And I want to know, like, hey, this, this deer right here lived a good, healthy life and is, you know, 
as organic as you can get. Like, I don't hunt over bait or anything. So everything that deer is eating has literally grown up from the ground, either from a tree or from a crop that a farmer is producing or, you know, is eating some sort of leaf matter. Like, and it's, it's ethical. I mean, no deer is going to die a quick, painless death as quickly as, like, getting shot or, you know, getting shot with a bow and arrow. Like, that's a quick, humane death for them. Yeah, you can uh you can always hit hit those people with like um sorry I don't pay people to like uh do my killing for me too. That usually gets them, you know, sorry I don't pay somebody else to to do my dirty work, but I mean you know, in the end if you're going to eat meat, something has to die. It's just a matter of if you're going to do it, you're going to pay somebody to do it and then uh if you want good, healthy, organic meat, you better go out and get it yourself because shit you buy from the stores, you know, I get disgusted when I go to the store and I see all the meat and it all like looks exactly the same because I know like it's been like there's like 7,000 cows and one one pound of ground beef probably. Then they run it through and they like bleach it or whatever they do to it. And then they like color it pink and just like, I don't know, the meat section kind of weirds me out. Yeah, I've definitely seen some stuff in there that, like, I looked at the date on it, and it was, like, sell by, like, two days from now. I was like, there's no yeah. way it's still that color, or it should be that color. Because, like, I mean, if you leave deer tenderloin out, like, yeah. fresh deer tenderloin out, and you leave it in the fridge for, like, four days. Yeah, it'll discolor. And it, yeah, and it's going to be, like, disgusting looking. I'm like, there's yeah. no way... A, a steak should last that long and something a poorly not poorly but you know and somewhere it's not in a, like immediate like refrigerator or cooler man i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to go to the store and buy a ground uh, of beef and take a, a ground of, of venison i need to find somebody that can take both of them like some kind of lab and test them and tell me which one of them's like better for me to eat i should do that i'm gonna look into that because, you know, I feel like I just need to prove a point now. I mean, hey, do it. I um, I want to know I, how much I, dye and, and bleach and all that shit's inside that stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to be like, look at all this pesticide inside your venison, but I doubt it. Um, do you do your own ground up uh, venison or do you take it to a processor? Or... Um, so just depends, kind of like. If it's the rut and I'm shooting like two or three deer in one day and I want to go hunting the next day, like I might take it to a processor. If it's cold out and I can let them hang for a week, um, I might do it here. It just kind of depends on how much time I have, um, if it's hot. But, yeah, just depends. Yeah, I, I took mine to a processor this last one, and I, I asked for um, – like shanks because yeah. I was I was gonna make asabuco with it or I was gonna try to and they gave me like the knee. I was like, all right, I'm never going back to another processor. <laughs> and they gave me like half a back strap for each one. Like when I like had like two two slabs of back strap and it was like half the length of a regular back strap. And the deer I shot wasn't very big, so I was already expecting to get back like fifty pounds of meat maybe. Yeah, no, I got back. I got back like thirty. Yeah, it's definitely better if you can do it yourself. Like I said, I I try to do that, and then if if it's hot or something, like 
you can only do so much. It's like either let it go bad or try to get it in a cooler somewhere. But I don't know, man. Those processors, they process a lot of deer. They got to have some energy. So maybe they're just mealing on your backstrap or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I thought about. I was like, man, I hope whoever cut out the second half of Mac backstrap is eating good. <laughs> <laughs> and at least you um, didn't get it back with a big uh, a bite out of it. I don't know if I worked at a processor, maybe I'd take a big raw chunk of backstrap and take a bite out of it. I'm kidding. The way you say you like your steaks. I wouldn't be Man, you should try them super rare. It'd change your life. Wouldn't that be like blue? Blue. Yeah. I mean, unless you just don't like, don't cook it at all, you know, and just like cut it out of the deer and just like take a bite out of it. I've seen where people eat the heart raw. Yeah, I have too. I haven't done that, but I don't know. Maybe this year. You like heart. Why, why are you scared to try it? I mean, hey, I might do it with a turkey heart this year. Oh, gosh. I'll, now I'll you're getting wild. I don't know. That's a bird. You might get sick from that. Yeah, I might get sick from that. Yeah. So is there any other small game that you kind of want to want to – you seem to like to go after – I won't say little critters, like, you know, but beavers are not <laughs> like a deer or whatever and, and squirrels and rabbits and all that stuff. Is there anything like – in other states or maybe around you that you want to hunt that you haven't had a chance to hunt? Um, I don't know if I've talked about it, but I, I love bow hunting rabbits. Oh, no shit. Let's, let's cover that. Um, How successful are you at that? Cause I can't even shoot one with a gun. So rabbits around here are getting kind of, or they're not getting, but they're kind of sparse. Um, when you see one, it, it's not like a uncommon thing, but it's not like quite a common thing. Um, they love to like get up next to the house and like have little babies and stuff. So like when rabbit season comes in, if I see them out there in the yard, shoot with my bow. And then I was on a farm the other day, just walking around. I was having a bow and arrow with me. I was just had a little target out there with me. I was stretching distance out, and a little rabbit ran out of the briars and like ran up into like a another section of briars. I had a gap like probably like that much, so like a foot each way <laughs> i nailed that thing at like 15 yards my bow and arrow that that right there will make you like that will be so much better of a hunt than anything you've ever hunted bow hunting rabbits yeah i uh i have a ton of rabbits in my neighborhood like it's ungodly like i'm talking like hundreds of rabbits in my neighborhood <clears throat> oh, and oh like i just cannot bring myself to trap them or kill them so and instead like i don't know it's just like this weird thing like i feel like it's not fair like they live in this neighborhood and they're just like i don't know so i like to drive like 20 or 30 miles and try to stomp out rabbits i don't know i'm never really successful at it because i don't have a dog but i don't know maybe i should shoot some of these these rabbits around my house <clears throat> Yeah, it's almost get, like get they're my little... pets. I don't know. I feel like I'm shooting my dog or something. I uh, well, I love eating rabbits. I love. I will. I got this one recipe I'll, I go to. It's like a you make your own barbecue sauce and like cook the rabbit in it. You baste it the whole time. <sighs> Man, it's better than chicken. You've eaten rabbit before, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cook it. I'll, I'll send you the link for it later, but cook it this way. And you will never want to eat another chicken. Like, I almost, I hate to say it, but like I almost salivate 
whenever I see a rabbit. <laughs> because I'm just thinking about the way I can cook it. And it's like, man, that's maybe, so good. I don't know. Maybe you're half coyote or something. <laughs> maybe, man. Maybe that's why I, was, I started eating beavers and nutrient and all that other stuff. So I'm going to ask you this. You guys have possums there, right? <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna are you gonna eat a possum? I mean, obviously you're not gonna eat one that's eating out of the dumpster behind Taco Bell, but like a wild possum that like doesn't eat trash, that like lives out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you've eaten a nutria for God's sake. Like, why not a possum? Um. So the thing I've heard about, I actually thought about eating a possum um, because I, um, they eat so many turkey eggs. And I'm wanting the turkeys to come back to this farm. And I saw one one time deer hunting. And I was about to shoot. And I remembered, like, you're supposed to take possums and, like, clean them out. Like, feed them, like, potatoes and stuff for, like, a week. So they'll huh. pass through everything they've been eating. And uh, you can eat them like that. Um, possums are, like, omnivores. So they'll eat, like... Dead, not dead stuff, dead stuff, but they'll eat like eggs, um, all kinds of parasites, like ticks. So you probably, yeah, they're definitely, they definitely eat their fair share of ticks. I, uh, if you have a possum living around your house, you got a dog, or you know, maybe you don't have a dog, like you're worried about them getting ticks all the time. Uh, possum's a good thing to keep around. Like, I ain't trying to shoot a possum that's hanging around my house. Yeah, no, I definitely, I like having possums around, but. Whenever um, it comes time for turkeys to lay eggs, that's kind of whenever I'm like, all right, yeah, don't let me, yeah, don't let me see. You got plans for for uh, your Instagram or your YouTube to to do a possum? I wouldn't say it's out of the question. Uh, if, I know there's a season on them, and I really don't want to have any troubles with the game warden, so I'd have to wait till turkey season or possum season, but. I, I would definitely do it. Um, I wish I could do one in like next week, but I don't think they're in season. Are, uh, are armadillos a thing around here or are you too far north? Um, we have a season on them. I think they're farther southwest of me yeah. um, towards like Charlotte. So, but I've also heard bad things about armadillos. Do you have them up there where you're at? They likely travel on trucks or people bring them home but like i i've seen them and it usually like makes the news like somebody hit an armadillo on the highway so like they're here but like they're not like you're not gonna go out and like hunt an armadillo you're gonna be walking for like five years trying to find one but they do have them here so have you ever tried an armadillo i haven't no i've heard they got things like uh leprosy but I've also heard that's false. Yeah, I don't know. You may have to ask one of your teachers over at the college uh, to tell yeah. you about that. I mean, I'm definitely going to do my research into it now, though. Now that you got gave me some ideas, man. Um, uh, if you don't put a possum eating video and an armadillo eating video on your YouTube, just consider me to never subscribe to your YouTube. How's that? How's that for a challenge? All right, I'll 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 make one. I'll, All right, I'll make one just for that. Then, I mean, I I would try it. 
I don't know if I'd go out of my way for it, but like maybe if somebody cooked it up, I don't know. Maybe it's good. You ever had a turtle? I haven't. No, I've heard it's oh. good too. I heard it's like chicken. Yeah, I've never had one because everybody compares they, everything to chicken. Yeah. So. I All don't right. Know why. So, I mean, we're kind of getting close to the end of our show here. <clears throat> Sorry, everybody, about my really raspy voice. I'm trying to gain that back. I've been sucking on some tea and honey and cough drops, and it, it ain't working. But what would be your number one advice for someone like getting started in hunting? I know you said you, you hunted as a, a kid and kind of got out of it and got back in it. Maybe something you learned um, back then or something you've learned recently. Um, so my biggest thing is like, if you're like brand new to it, um, just get out there and make as many mistakes as possible. Like your first year, just be like, I don't want even want to get, I don't even want to shoot it. You know, if you're deer hunting, like I wouldn't even worry about shooting a deer your first year. Obviously, like it, the opportunity, you know, presents itself, you know, take the animal, but just go out there and learn as much as possible. Um, knock on doors, get used to, you know, you're going to get a bunch of no's your first year, but just because people don't know who you are as a hunter. But, you know, the more you ask, the more you ask, the more you stay consistent with it. Um, and the more you learn from your failures, you'll become a better hunter. That's what I've been doing for the past two years. And I can say, like, when I first got back into it, to, like, me now is, like, two totally different people. Yeah, it's it's always a learning process. Every year you feel like <clears> – <throat> You feel like you got it locked down, like shoot a decent buck, shoot a bunch of squirrels, whatever it is, ducks. You're like, man, I got it figured out now. Yeah. If you ever think that you got it figured out, you're getting ready to get punched in the face because the next year you won't have it figured out. And I think that's, you know, that's the fun of it. It's an adventure. Every time it's different. Every time you got to learn from it. And uh, yeah, that's what makes hunting fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, hunting, it's called hunting for a reason. If it was any easier, it would just be called killing. Or getting. Getting. Uh, I think dude, you should trademark that. Yeah, getting. Uh, like, th throw that up on a T-shirt or something. Yeah, just yeah. Like, like getting. Yeah, just just getting. All right, man. Well, uh, I appreciate you, you coming on and, and giving us some info on North Carolina trying to cover a bunch of different states on this podcast let everybody know what's up maybe people live a couple states away they're like oh man i want to go down there and hunt north carolina yeah um but tell everybody where they can connect with you on social media maybe somebody wants to eat a possum with you or like <laughs> cook nutria or something i don't know man um so my instagram is five percent tv it's the number five and then the word percent and then tv it's all one word no under or anything um or you can just search, search up garrett that those two names should pop up pretty quick um feel free to follow me subscribe to my youtube it's the same thing five percent tv um i really like interacting with everybody on both accounts uh don't be you know, afraid to dm me or whatever if you have questions about north carolina or you know if you want to know the beaver recipe or the nutrient recipe or anything like that just shoot me an inbox cool man uh appreciate it again and uh if i'm ever around north carolina maybe we'll we'll catch up if you guys uh if you guys subscribed uh to garrett's youtube 
or follow him on Instagram, everybody like message him or like blow him up. Like, cause I want to see him eat a possum <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not sure he's going to do it, but maybe if you know, 10 or 15 of you message him, maybe we can get him to, I don't know, tell him how you want him to cook it. Maybe you should like roast it over a campfire or something. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll let y'all pick the recipe for me. If, uh, Y'all want, want me to do it that badly. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. I, I appreciate you, and uh, we'll catch up. Thank you. All right, man. I look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. We'll see you, man. See ya. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hunt the Wild podcast. If you enjoyed the show and it's brought you some sort of value, I'd love if you could give me a rating and a review. Just a few seconds of your time can help me better understand the type of content you all enjoy, and it would mean the world to me to hear from all of you.